Welcome to the English Waffle. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the English Waffle podcast, a podcast for English learners who want to improve their listening skills by listening to real conversation. In each episode, Owen and I do a bit of waffling on a random topic and occasionally invite along a guest to talk to. Today, I talk to Alex Asher about online language learning. Alex knows a lot about this subject. He's the CEO of a company called LearnCube, which provides software for teachers and schools that are teaching online, and he's writing a book about online learning. We begin by talking about the challenges of learning music online, something that I've had a little bit of experience doing in the lockdown period. Try and identify what technical aspects that Alex talks about. It's around the three minute mark. He talks very specifically about what it is that makes learning music online difficult. I then ask Alex how online teaching can help language learners. And he mentions three points in response to this. Try and listen in to identify these three things, which is around four, I'm going to say four to six minute mark. As our conversation moves into a comparison of online and classroom teaching, I'm aware that this is mostly going to be from the perspective of a teacher rather than a learner. That's because I am a teacher. I'm also a learner, but I'm a teacher who's been doing an increasing amount of teaching online since the lockdown. And so for me, this is a very interesting time to get used to doing something which is completely different for me. Anyway, I hope this will be of interest to you and at the very least gives you an idea of what goes through the head of an English teacher. Alex speaks with a slight accent, which for me is very easy to tell where he's from. But I wonder if you guys can also spot this. Let us know in uh, the chat at the end. Uh, I'll be back at the end anyway for a little bit of a waffle chat and a catch up. In the meantime, enjoy my conversation with Alex. Welcome to the English Waffle where we'll talk about random stuff. We'll take you on a journey where you'll find out soon enough. That listening to the waffle is an entertaining way of sharing with you foreigners the things that British people say. Woo! So join us on the waffle and strap yourselves in. Pretend all earth in minutes of English listening. Hello, Alex. G'day, how are you? Good to Hello. see you. Hello, how are you doing? Excellent. Good, good. Uh, you're, you're, you're in London? I am, yeah. Sunny London at the moment. <laughs> Sunny London, muggy London, I'd say. Um, do you live near a park? I do. I'm very fortunate to live by a park. So uh, I get lots of, uh, lots of green space that I can access and still go for runs, which I'm loving it. The saving grace. For me, it's been such a good thing of, of living next to a park. Oh, it's amazing. And everyone's just so happy outside. Oh, it's great to see. Great. There are skaters back in the skateboard park where I am, which I'm really thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear the, the rolling skates uh, in the background, but uh, we'll give them yeah. a bit of time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's 
stone's throw away from where I am, but it's, uh, yeah, just out of earshot. Um, so, Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure. Um, we're thrilled to have somebody uh, who's not British English, who doesn't speak British English, even though you do live in London, right? That's right, yeah. So it's going to be up to your listeners to figure out where I'm from. That's it. That's it. I'll give you a clue. It's not France. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Alex, you're the CEO um, of uh, the brains, the, the beauty, the brawn behind LearnCube. Some of those words I'll accept, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I, I run a, a business called LearnCube. Yeah. And that's a company that um, provides solutions for online teaching to, 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 to tutors or for tutors, sorry. That's right. We help. We specialize in a software made for language teachers and also provide an online school software that manages all of that for, yeah, any, any, any schools that are teaching online. Cool. So I guess um, rather than uh, allow you to plug LearnCube, Learn which probably doesn't interest you too much. <laughs> no, let's talk. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk generally about uh, online language learning, online learning generally, because it's a big thing. Right. Um, and maybe share our own experiences of how's that been, what's worked for us, what's, what's been, um, what hasn't worked so much. Sure. I'm thinking off the top is that for me as a musician, uh, learning music online has been really challenging. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I, uh, I know the, the sound I tried to play, I play guitar actually. Right. And uh, yeah, try to, I mean, look, I tried it on Nokia, I tried it on, on Zoom, I tried it on everything, but getting the latency is very difficult. Oh man. Nothing. Is that the word latency? Uh, yeah, it's, because basically the the data the video and the sound have yeah. to maybe cross in my case uh could cross to another country i won't say where that is yeah um, but it's it, it that that does create that just small little of pause uh, and even some software may, may even make that pause even longer in order to buffer or kind of uh, make it more level like yeah it's, it's I, I feel you paid it. It's, it's a funny thing though. Like we actually work with one of the biggest um, music tutoring schools in Canada. So it must work. Um, but equally there are still challenges, I think, with that latency problem. Yeah. I feel like language learning is definitely a little bit further ahead online than the music. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be, don't worry. We've, uh, I think there's, there's hope yet. Yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. So how do you feel like, online teaching in general helps language learners? I think it's been quite interesting because technology offers a couple of promises, right? Uh, the first promise is that, and I'm going to talk about live online language teaching more so than I'm going to talk about what I, I would kind of consider like human powered language teaching and machine powered language teaching. They're quite right. different. Right. Uh, the area that I know best is the human powered language teaching. So I'm going to talk to that. And when you're talking about that, it's really the first promise was we're going to solve the access problem. And that means you're in your country. I'm in my country, or it might not even be nearly that severe. It's like, I'm a hundred, I'm 20 kilometers outside of, uh, outside of London. And I need to do a class at a particular time. And I don't have the time willpower, 
ability to cross town to do that. So the first problem is that geography and technology has solved that really well. But actually, to be fair, quite a long time ago. Uh, when you think about Skype, that was created in 2004. You could arguably say that probably from 2004, 2006, we'd solved the access problem of like, if you're anywhere, you could access live and actually almost free uh, communication. Yeah. So I think that's the first area. The second area that it's massively solved is the convenience factor. And I kind of talked about that. Like even if you were in, in London, trying to get from one side to the other at rush hour is just a non-starter. Okay. So why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, and it also puts on severe costs on both tutors and teachers as well, because if the student doesn't have to move, well, then the tutor and teacher has to move. Uh, so I think there's also an elevation of costs involved there, because now the teacher and tutor now has to pay for their time just to even get in the same place. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's like the first promise. And then the second promise is on what online teaching, you know, how can we create new dimensions um, by using online teaching. And I think that's a really exciting question as well. I totally, totally get with you. I get where you're coming from, uh, from the bar removing the barrier of distance and, and yeah. geography. Uh, as a teacher, having to cross London, it's, it's, as you say, it's not just being able to communicate from different corners of the globe. It's within your own city, just removing that extra burden of having to get on a train during rush hour with a bicycle yeah um, and you arrive kind of you know arguably you can arrive stressed or you can arrive a little bit you know there's lots of lots of things that you have to navigate your way through before you've even got into the classroom as a learner and as a teacher yeah yeah and that has both pros and cons which you could almost talk about as well yeah I mean <laughs> that Maybe moving on to that, what what are the what are the trade-offs? What are the the things that we are are missing? So I suppose what we're doing in the class online classroom is you're rep you're you're replicating an interaction between student and teacher. Teacher will often present something. Students will uh, interact in some way, uh, be it in breakout rooms or in um, you know either breakout rooms or, or just kind of being there in person if it's one-to-one -one. how what are we what are we not yet getting and maybe we'll possibly never get that we get in the in the physical space i think it's a really poignant time to be asking that question because i think most people when they heard that question were like oh answer's really easy oh you can never build the personal connection you word on you know in person and you say all of these things and i feel like they're not quite as true as people believe i think rapport is an essential thing to create for a teacher and a student that has to happen early and upfront absolutely but that there's no reason why somebody can't do that online and just the same way we met today uh, we immediately started talking about things in common and you build that and you invest in that little bit of rapport. Uh, and then you, and then you move on to the thing that you're going to be talking about. And one of the wonderful things about going online is it's a lot more efficient. I actually find that you can build rapport just as well online as you do in person. Like actually our business is entirely remote. So that means all of, I've just employed a, a few, a few people recently. I've never met them, of course. Mm. Um, 
hiring people online. Actually, it's not that unusual for me now. And I can say we've got fantastic people, but you know, again, oh, but you'll never be able to hire somebody if you never meet them. You know, what, what if you don't get their vibe? And you know, like there's a whole bunch of preconceptions about rapport and being able to assess somebody's um, trust standing as well that I don't think are quite as true as people believe. I'm reading an interesting book. Uh, have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. Uh, he's written a book called Talking to Strangers. Okay, yeah. Um, and this explores this notion of trust uh, and how some of the prejudices that we have regarding meeting somebody, making that trust seem more real, whereas actually we get it wrong a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. So this, this idea of... Um, yeah, that we he 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 looks at case studies where it's gone really badly wrong, <laughs> where we, you know, we've got inbuilt biases. So yeah. and it's to do with recruitment and, um, yeah, meeting people and first impressions and all of that stuff. Whereas, yeah, perhaps online we're more. Are we more true to ourselves? Maybe we're kind of we wear less masks online because we don't have to sort of please people in the same way perhaps yeah i think there's some real truth in that i think you again you can have some real interesting trade-offs depending on how that interaction is facilitated right so we can see it in tutoring for example if you in a way tutoring platforms can escalate the problem of bias because you know you have one person with a certain profile picture versus another person in a certain profile picture and that's the first way somebody judges whether they choose you or not, which seems yeah. even more insane How than just whether... Tinder, an online date. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike's got blonde hair. I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. So I would 100% believe that there are some problems if it's not done well. Whereas um, you can have some other facilitated ex experiences where, for example, the online school... It's like, no, I'm actually going to match you with this person for this reason. And then that can be a really good match because they might not be, they're looking at the, how do we facilitate a great exchange between this person has this background and wants to do this with another tutor that does this and so forth. And so some of those boutique tutoring platforms can be quite good at that. Um, if they're not just looking at, you know, profile and timetable. Yeah, for example. So deeper, digging deeper into that, then what, what are the, the things that a student, say if I'm a student and I'm considering an online platform to learn Spanish or to learn, you know, does it matter? It doesn't matter really what subject. Could be um, what are the kind of things I'm going to lose or what are the things I'm going to gain, I suppose? Yeah. So some of the things, again, I'll try and be, go beyond the obvious. So the things that people think they'll lose is they won't have the same connection, which I would argue is not necessarily the case. I think it is true, though, that you miss these small moments between the before and after. Uh, to be fair to the tutor, they actually are having to be paid for that time or, or want to feel that value. But uh, you might even have five or 10 minutes talking with the tutor at the start and at the end of the class. And that's quite a lot of value. That could, that's if you had a 60 minute class and you had 10 minutes either side, you're actually getting 20% more value potentially. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Depends <laughs> on yeah. the tutor. 
Uh, so that you may lose. Um, you may miss out if your connectivity or internet connection plays out. I think just because we solve it most of the time. But it's a funny one though, because I think there's probably more people that fail to get to a tutoring or a teaching lesson because of traffic or various other factors than a dodgy internet connection. Uh, so I think people are overly harsh on online because they think that to always work yet very forgiving of in person. So, oh, well, that guy obviously just missed the train. And I think both would be, if they've done the preparation, it would be equally justifiable if they, if they were kind of put neck and neck. And then I'm thinking from, from a student's perspective, because mm -hmm. many of our listeners will be, will be, well, they are students of English. Sure. I guess there's an element of passive, like if you go to an online class, Typically, you're going to be listening to a lot more. You're pa you're a bit more passive than you are in a classroom. But it, I don't know why that necessarily has to be. From my own experience, it's the size of the class. So I think if I if I'm doing a, a writing class with twenty five people, it's hard to get Mary talking to Heidi to talking to things. Okay, I can get them into breakout rooms, but I like the idea of my classroom being. Uh, you know, I can sort of arrange the geography of the furniture. I can sort of facilitate that kind of getting two students of a similar ability quickly into into pair work, pairs. Whereas online, I mean, some of the names on the sky, the handles are different. I don't know who I'm talking to half the time. That's the challenge from from me, from my point of view. Yeah, really hard. Well, I think it does show you the problems when you're maybe not using the right tools as well because it's we look for in a physical classroom you look for spontaneity and instantness uh, and and in an online setting you're talking about the idea of seamlessness uh, and I feel that a lot of products and ours have got a lot of work to do I, I make no mistake that uh, we have a lot of work to do ourselves but the goal has to be a level of seamlessness for the teacher and the students, because when that happens, then you can allow the same magic that happens in an in-person class to really yeah. pass on to an online class. So I have lots of hope, but I do feel that a lot of either the way that the tool is used, the way that the tool is understood, or the way that even the tool is designed are limiting what teachers are really capable of. I feel, where's the training at like where if, if teachers were trained on your product or zoom or whatever whatever, yeah. whatever product it is it's like yeah it wouldn't create this i can't yeah it's, it's exactly you say the fixed and the growth mindset just i'm 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 a i'm a, t I'm a physical teacher i don't do the online stuff yeah where it's at i think uh, and i think as soon as you have that it really inhibits what you can do. And, and if you're a student listening to this, what I would really encourage you to do if you are doing any lessons with anyone yeah. is to see how much the teacher asks you to interact. So we've built this beautiful multi-tab whiteboard, which we expect is not just for the teacher to display things. That's the whole point. It's not a lecture and the equivalent of a, a lecture and, a, and an old sort of, um, what's it? They used to call them overhead projector you know like it's yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not doing we're way past that right yeah. so yeah. if you go to a class and your teacher pulls up their powerpoint and starts systematically taking you through it 
yeah you've got to you've got to either ask the question is this going to be good value for money and i would probably argue it's not totally and i think instead what students should be demanding and expecting is that they are the ones that should be asked to do things on the whiteboard and i'm actually doing french myself at the moment mm -hmm. and i actually gonna have to call up my teacher you know like don't don't write on the board for me. I should be the one writing that because I'm the one that's meant to be learning and you're taking an opportunity for me to learn away. Yeah. Um, likewise, Google Translate is a brilliant tool. It should be used in conjunction with teaching. Yeah. But let me do that because that's the, that's the skill you're trying to actually ingrain on me is that, hey, if you want a word, you can go on this tool or this dictionary. Maybe it's not Google Translate or it's like the Commons Dictionary. And, and so the teacher should be facilitating and be a coach of that learning rather than just, you know, what do you call it? Um, mollycoddle the, the student into to learning something. Yeah. Mollycoddling is a good word. Um, certainly that's how I would like to learn is, is, is more, but it's, I mean, it opens up a big discussion about what is teaching, isn't it? And what is, what is the difference in coaching and teaching and, She's quite a, an interesting... Story. Yeah, and I, I, I have to say, I'm not a teacher, so I can't talk too much of that. But what I... It resonates with me because I've previously had a startup in health and fitness and was very familiar with the coaching aspects and understanding how important it was to get the motivation of the, the, the student or the, yeah. the person kind of involved. Yeah. And I 100% believe that you'll get more out of somebody learning if they've bought into the idea of learning themselves rather than it being like, I'm going to tell you the goals. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. And you don't really have any choices or any agency in this. I, I can't see that that being a great idea. Where's the, where's the relevance for the, yeah, for sure. Um, I suppose it's just the model that we've learned at school is that teacher knows best. So teacher comes in and says like, this is what we're going to do. And it's quite a difficult one to break because a lot of people have that model in school still. So that's yeah. when they come to the classroom. So it's like, Alex is going to teach me this and I'm going to kind of listen. And maybe, maybe I'll be asked to contribute at some point, but largely I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to him talk. Yeah, I, I, I would really like to raise how, how different it is to do one-to-one -one and group classes. I really feel that teachers are doing themselves a disservice by starting immediately with groups. Mm -hmm. Groups is a phenomenally difficult, well, challenging thing to do, particularly when you start. And as a student, you'll feel that because you'll feel that the teacher is going to their default mode, which is presenting and sticking with the materials. And one of the reasons for that is if you have a group in a physical class, teachers are much more familiar with like, okay, you two talk and you two talk and I'll go around and they kind of get it and it's all seamless and, and there's no dramas. But online, what we often see people again is they refer to the presentation and they just go through it piece by piece. Whereas online, I think if people start with one-to-one, -one, then they build their confidence. And certainly you as a student will definitely feel the difference with a one-on-one -on -one class because you can ask the questions and you're not feeling like you're disrupting everyone. And even in a physical classroom, like as a student, you could like maybe put your hand up, but not the whole way, right? You're not like, hey, everybody look at me. Whereas in an online setting, if you start talking over this teacher, you might be disrupting the entire flow. But then, you know, like you still want to get the attention of the, of the teacher. And if you're not familiar with how to do that in a, 
effective way, then everyone feels quite awkward about it. So I would just be, yeah, encouraging the one-to-one the -one first, or at least as a certain part of what, of the overall mix. For sure. I guess just a thought that's occurred to me where the classroom is different from the, the virtual classroom is this sense of students asking each other questions and using each other to to to, to get what's going on either that maybe to understand what the activity is about or to understand yeah. what the thing is whereas the, the the virtual classroom i don't maybe maybe i'm not using the tools correctly but it doesn't quite allow for that like you know a little nudge going nadja what what's what what you know that sort of little whisper which doesn't interrupt the the flow of the lesson and it doesn't interrupt the flow for the other students, but it kind of allows me to know a bit what's going on. Yeah, I feel like the possible, I don't feel this is a technical problem. I really feel this is a teacher trainer problem. Yeah. Um, so a teacher trainer, like we have it all the time. And it's sort of like, what if a student is really disturbing the class and you know, they're coming in and out, their internet connection is maybe just terrible. They're on a mobile device on the train and they keep on coming in. There's a point where the teacher, it's their job to say, I'm sorry, Lucy, I'm gonna to have to remove you from the class because our other students can't really participate in it. I'm really sorry, or I'm gonna put you on mute, or I'm gonna turn off your video, or I'm gonna do whatever it is yeah. to remove the distraction. Yeah. And, and they've gotta be firm, just like, uh, that's why the teacher is there, is they have a different role compared to another student. It's not another student's role to say, hey, the student is really being disruptive. Can we take this person out? Uh, but I think what often happens is the teacher doesn't feel that they can do it. And so everyone just suffers this horrendous class. This and six people out of seven have had a terrible experience, including the seventh actually. So everyone's had a bad experience because one person decided that they, or, or actually I would say the fault is on the teacher because the teacher's responsibility was to go to that student, I'm sorry, we can sort it out later, but right now I need to focus on helping the rest of the people in this class. And I, again, I think that's a teacher trainer problem. For sure. For sure. I think that's a, that's a very good point because if, if, if you compare that to a student coming late into a, into a classroom, yeah. you know, some teachers will say, if you're five, 10 minutes late, then sorry, but you're not coming in. Um, and why we, we're resistant to doing that online, I don't know. Because there are tools to do it. Like we have the tool, you just yeah. hit remove or just yeah. don't let them in. Like yeah. it's not a tool problem. Yeah. But I think a teacher feeling comfortable with that. Uh, but I think also being a bit fair to teachers, we've had uh, a world of 90% teachers not having to go online and not feeling that they would need to do that within 10 years or at least five years. I think every teacher has realized that there was a potential that online teaching would become a thing that most of the world have but whereas this COVID-19 has happened we've gone from it being a potential to being a reality and we've gone from five percent to almost a hundred percent having to teach online without any real resources and I would also argue that the content as well is not really facilitating great classes for mm -hmm. teachers as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah we need to cut some slack to the teachers we're, yeah. we're okay we're doing our best <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our best um, Alex, I, I don't have any more questions and I'm aware that time has elapsed, slipped away from us. No problem. As it as it's always does. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to it you. It has. Thank you. I really appreciate that as well and really appreciate the opportunity.
great and we can i mean i'll put in the in the outro where where uh, students and listeners can find your website and stuff any any final thoughts on kind of what we've chatted about uh, I think be really optimistic. I think teachers have not had much time to figure this out. I think they're only going to get better. Um, companies like LearnCube are going to try and provide more resources to help tutors and tutors are going to have better tools and, and more confidence. So yeah, I'm very confident that both the technology side and the teacher side are only going to get really great. Right. And there's some really exciting trends, even outside of even the, the teacher-led uh, language training, even with just a machine powered uh, language training, I think a lot of that self study is going to get better and you're going to have more adaptive and personalized uh, language tuition over time. So be optimistic, be excited about it, don't be scared about it, and also you know, give, your, give your teachers a bit of a nudge if they need to, because also okay. they may not be getting the feedback. So don't be afraid to say, hey, come and check out a show like this where you'll learn about it or, yeah. or, or, or look out for some resources. Yeah. Welcome to the English one. So that was my chat with Alex. How'd you find that, listeners? Did you figure out from listening to Alex what variation of English he speaks? I'll give you a clue. He mentions around the three-minute word, three-minute mark. Sorry, he mentions the word data. He says data. In British English, we would say data. But in the particular variety of English that Alex speaks, the accent is slightly different. Data. Uh, if you do know, write into us, englishwaffle.co.uk, and we, there will be a free lesson for the first person who writes in with the correct answer. So, which country is Alex originally from? Uh, what are your own views of lang learning languages online? Do you use apps like Duolingo or Babbel? What about language exchange sites like Tandem? Be super interested to hear uh, you guys, your own experience of learning languages online um, or perhaps even teaching them if you, if you teach your own languages online. Um, that's it for today. We'll be back uh, next week with some, some more, uh, either a guest or some, a chat perhaps between me and Owen. Uh, please visit the website for a transcript and some language analysis of this conversation. It's www.englishwaffle.co.uk. In the meantime, stay safe and happy waffling. Welcome to the English Waffle where we'll talk about random stuff. Take you on a journey where you'll find out soon enough That listening to the waffle is an entertaining way Of sharing with you foreigners the things that British people say Woo! So join us on the waffle and strap yourselves in For ten whole earth in minutes of English listening